This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name's Mark Vance. I'm lead pastor here at Cornerstone. Today, I want to talk to you about different types of Christians. Now, let me give a little background explanation here. I think sometimes in America, we are just overwhelmed with a plethora of different choices and options. I mean, everything from what sort of ranch dressing do you want to buy? There's not just one type. Go to Walmart. There's hundreds of types out there. And the same is true in some ways from perspectives on Christianity. Even underneath the term of evangelical Christian or Bible-believing Christian, there's all different sorts of perspectives. And sometimes, actually, understanding the backdrop of a perspective can really help you to cultivate discernment. Say you're listening to a podcast, or you're reading a book, or you're watching a sermon. It can be really helpful to know where is this person kind of coming from in terms of the general way that they see the world. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take that term, evangelical Christian, and I'm going to try to give a brief definition of what that means. Beyond that, then I'm going to try to unpack three types or streams of evangelical Christianity, the fundamentalist, the conservative, and the progressive perspective. And then I want to give some examples. Think through a lens of like a culturally hot topic, something like the subject of race. How would somebody from a different perspective, a fundamentalist perspective versus a progressive perspective approach that issue? And then finally, I'll just kind of offer some reflections and thoughts uh, for each camp on kind of how they might approach an issue. So let's start here. What does it mean when I say a person is an evangelical Christian? Well, for that, the standard uh, definition of what makes up an evangelical Christian is using something that we call the Bebbington quadrilateral in theological circles. It's Bebbington is the name of a guy who is trying to determine uh, how do you describe what makes up an evangelical Christian. He said there are four defining characteristics, a quadrilateral of characteristics. There's the emphasis on the Bible, the emphasis on Christ, the emphasis on conversion, and an emphasis on an active faith. So let's describe each of those. The biblical emphasis in evangelical Christianity is that the Bible is God's word and that the Bible is the sole authority on faith and practice. And so that's distinguished, for instance, from Roman Catholic Christianity, which would say the Bible is a source of authority, but the Pope's word is another source of authority. Evangelical Christians say, no, it's scripture alone that is the source of authority for the Christian life. Secondly, evangelical Christians emphasize the cross of Jesus Christ. Their cruciform is the the word that's put there. What that means is just simply that their, their central emphasis is that salvation is obtained by the finished work of Jesus Christ and his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection. And then thirdly, connected to that, that it's not simply the facts of Christianity that save a person, but you have to personally be converted. That's the third kind of key emphasis in evangelical Christianity. You have to personally receive the finished work of Christ for you. And then finally, the last point is activism. That The faith that you have in Jesus can't just be a private matter that you hide in the closet. It's something that actually is supposed to shape and change everything about your life. 
from the way you work to the way you vote to the way you raise your family. A personal faith is supposed to be an active faith. Okay, so those four characteristics, Bible, cross, conversion, and activism make up kind of a general definition of what it means to be an evangelical Christian. And in America, when you talk about an evangelical, though, I think it's important to realize underneath that broader category, there are three or four different types or streams or categories of evangelical Christians. I'm going to say, for our purposes today, it's an oversimplification, but there are three major groups you're going to run into. Under the evangelical camp, you have fundamentalists, conservatives, and progressives. And I want to be careful to stop here and say this. Every one of the folks in these perspectives, the perspectives that we're talking about, fundamentalist, conservative, progressive, all of them are people who have placed their faith in Jesus. They affirm the Bible as God's word. They trust in Jesus as their savior. In other words, they're brothers and sisters in the faith. They're part of the family of God. And so when we speak about them, I want to make sure that I give honor to them because they're members of the family of God. But their perspectives, when you approach certain issues, can be very, very different. Let's take, for instance, the first perspective, the fundamentalist evangelical Christian. The, the fundamentalist, their perspective is that the, the faith that has been delivered to us through the Scripture, we have to fight to stay pure, and we need to be aware that actually the world out there is going to try to force its values on us, and we need to be countercultural in fighting back the forces of worldliness and liberalism that would try to modify the Christian faith in any way. The central aim of fundamentalism is the purity of the gospel, and they have a willingness to fight for and fight against anything that would threaten that and to be very active in their pursuit of even separation from worldly things. Sometimes fundamentalism can be characterized by a certain social stance. They tend to uh, be uh, very against alcohol or you don't go to dances, things, things like that. And some of the folks who've been associated generally with kind of the, the fundamentalist camp, think of folks like John MacArthur or the conservative Baptist network right now is big in Southern Baptist life or Steve Lawson, Vody Bauckham is another answer that, uh, or name that people will reference there in the kind of more fundamentalist camp. Second perspective here would be a conservative evangelical. A conservative evangelical has the same sort of really deep-rooted clinging to biblical doctrine as folks in the fundamentalist camp, but they tend to be a little more positive and engaged in their interaction with culture around them. A conservative evangelical is going to say, I have to hold the gospel and not give an inch on that, but I also must be for the city around me and working to do good. They're interested in cultural engagement. They want to think about how the gospel should influence and shape the culture around them. So in this category, you could think of names like Tim Keller, John Piper, um, the Gospel Coalition has been associated with this, um, Albert Moeller, uh, would be, he's probably actually straddling the fence on the borderline between fundamental and conservative, but the, all of these would be inside of that broadly conservative evangelical spectrum. Again, these are socially conservative. They believe in marriage between a man and a woman. They generally are very conservative politically, but their main, the main emphasis here is they want to love the scripture, but also love their neighbor. Now, third camp, 
I'm going to call this progressive Christianity. And here, um, the concern here is not so much just with the purity of the faith, but the relevance of the Christian faith for the modern world. And what they'll say is, as you look around you, you can't just live inside of your fuddy-duddy old religion. You have to be engaged with the culture. You have to be building bridges so that people can get to Jesus. And you need to be answering the questions that people are asking. And so, a progressive evangelical, you could think they tend to be associated with things like woke Christianity, um, very involved in social and racial issues. Um, Scott McKnight would be a name involved. Eric Mason, the pastor who wrote uh, Woke Christian, that would be another name that you'll see thrown around. Phil Vischer, actually, the VeggieTales guy, gets a lot of play in uh, this world because of his podcast and some materials that he's put out. Again, these folks tend to be uh, more open to social justice sorts of issues, more seeing that more intricately connected to how they express their Christian faith, and they want to continue to press that agenda of cultural contextualization and engaging with the world around you forward. That's a progressive. So again, there's the three camps, fundamentalist, conservative, and progressive. All of them affirm the teaching of the basic doctrines of Scripture, but they approach social and cultural issues differently. Now, I already told you at the beginning of this, I came from a fundamentalist roots, but I would consider myself today a conservative evangelical, deeply rooted in Scripture, but also deeply committed to engage for the good of my neighbors. And right now, I have to admit as well, I'm concerned when I look in the evangelical world that people who hold the same foundations of the faith are angrily attacking one another. I see a tribalistic attitude at times coming from my fundamentalist and progressive brothers and sisters, and I'm concerned about that. So that's where I'm coming from theologically. I hold to the truth of the fundamentals of the faith. I'm just not super angry about it. And I don't know that fighting warfare sort of language is going to be the motif that's going to help us toward faithful presence as a church. Now, let's talk about like maybe a particular issue. This may help to frame it. Let's look at race. So the contemporary cultural conversation on race and how the church should respond to the history of, of racial injustice that is so readily apparent in America's past, but also the lingering effects of that racial injustice in America's present. Do you talk about George Floyd? Do you get involved in social causes? So let's look at it from those three perspectives. From the fundamentalist perspective, I think the best representation of this is um, you could look at like Vody Bauckham's book, Fault Lines, which, by the way, I would just say, having read it, I think I probably agree in content level with like 90, 95% of what Vody says. My concerns are not with his content. There with his posture. Let me read you the full title. The book is titled Fault Lines, The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe. Okay, do you see the fundamentalist bent there? He's not going to just try to teach you, here's what the new woke social justice movement has that is different from Scripture, and here's how we should apply it from Scripture. He's going to warn against the in creeping tendency of the world to take over the church. Evangelicalism's looming catastrophe. There's a slippery slope away from the gospel. That right there 
is the essence of the fundamentalist mindset coming out. So let's take maybe a different take. How would you approach the issue of race in the conservative camp? Well, I would refer you to, let's think of like confronting injustice without compromising truth by Thaddeus Williams. Again, that title alone gives you an idea. You want to confront injustice, yes. So there is a way that the church should be involved in the world, but without compromising truth. And so he will warn of the dangers of CRT-based theological liberalism sweeping in. He'll help you to see those distinctions, but his goal isn't to warn you of evangelicalism's looming catastrophe. His goal is to call you to biblical faithfulness that allows you to confront injustice without compromising the gospel. You could look at that material, or the materials that North American Mission Board has put out with Dehati Lewis, um, Undivided, or his book Advocates. I think those are both really good, faithful, conservative, evangelical perspectives on the question of race. From a progressive, what might be a book on the progressive end? On the progressive end, I would think of maybe um, like Daniel Hill's book, Wide Awake, or um, Eric Mason's book, Woke Church. In these books, you're going to see nearly all the same language as secular contemporary race sources or anti-racism sources. And the baseline idea there is you need to realize that America is quickly becoming non-white, non-Anglo, and in order to engage the culture, we have to update what we're doing. And the Bible demands it because racial reconciliation isn't just a neat add-on because you feel guilty. It is part of the essence of how the gospel has made us one in Christ. And so what they do is they take that theological premise, the gospel's made us one in Christ, and then often they're applying the insights of contemporary sociology to help you understand whiteness in a way that would sound very, very similar to contemporary non-Christian sources. Now, each of those, here's what I want to say. I reference books. I've read all of those. So as a Christian, I don't think you should only read in one stream or another. I think there's something to learn from each one of them. But I think it's very important to realize each of these people approach the question, not just from a perspective of I'm an evangelical, but in Vody's case, he's a fundamentalist evangelical. In the case of Thaddeus Williams, he's a conservative evangelical. In the case of Eric Mason or Daniel Hill, they're more progressive evangelicals. All these guys love the Bible, love Jesus, love the gospel. I'm glad they're out there. But you need to understand they each write from a different perspective. And that said, I do think there are some things you should be aware of in each of the perspectives. And so, said as a brother in love, here's some thoughts on each of those kind of streams that we see inside evangelicalism. First, to the fundamentalist uh, evangelical, I grew up in this, and so I have a deep love for people here. They taught me to love the Bible. They prayed with me. And I grew up, and much of my love for Christ was fostered by people who loved Jesus and who were fundamentalist in their perspective. And so, as I speak a word of warning, I don't want that to be heard as an ungrateful thing. I'm so thankful for what God did in my life through gracious, wonderful people who came from a fundamentalist Christian perspective. I simply think they should be aware that Pharisaism and legalism are dangers 
as well as theological liberalism. Certainly, theological liberalism and the creeping tendency to move away from the gospel can be a real thing, but legalism is also dangerous. And at times, I lived inside an environment where they went far beyond what was written in what they required by way of behavior. I still remember a guy talking to one of the deacons of my church asking if it was okay for a Christian to smoke a cigarette, and his response was, well, the Bible can't tell you yes or no, and I'm not going to tell you you go to hell for smoking a cigarette, but you sure will smell like you've been there. And I remember thinking, that's a very odd response. Conversations about why men couldn't have long hair and why women should always wear dresses or culottes, those went beyond what was written. The second word of caution I'd have with the fundamentalist perspective is there can be a tendency here to bear false witness. When you label everything different from you as progressive liberalism, what you're saying is sometimes things that aren't true of where people are coming from. Even reading Vody's latest book, which I appreciated so much, the problem in much of it is he consistently links people who would explicitly reject critical social justice with critical social justice. And he does so on the basis of a word or a phrase that he finds that sounds like something that people on the other side say. That tendency to exaggerate and to label everything that is more progressive than them as theologically liberal comes from what I call the slippery slope fear. What they say is, the drift away from the gospel is a slippery slope. So if you step off onto that slope, you'll inevitably slide away. That makes you kind of a voice that is constantly angry in its critiques of Christianity. And I think that in the fundamentalists, my concern is often not their clinging to truth, but the posture or the spirit with which they do that. We can speak true things in a wrong way. And I think finally, I think there's a concern in fundamentalist evangelical kind of perspective that they would withdraw or just antagonize the world around. And while I do think there's times we need to pull away from the influences of the world, we need to realize that our neighbors aren't just part of a cultural battlefield. They're part of our Christian mission field. They're people we are supposed to love for the sake of Christ. And if we withdraw completely then we lose our connection to people who need Jesus. Okay, let's flip the other side. I want to talk to my kind of my progressive side and some concerns I have there. The first concern I have is this. I think they tend to blow off fundamentalists like they have no point. So progressives go, I've never even heard of critical race theory. There's no way I could be influenced by it. And you're missing the point. Fundamentalists, when they warn about a drift away from the gospel— aren't warning about something that's a fiction. Look around us in America, guys. The Lutheran Church of America, the Reformed Church, the United Methodist Church. I was just with the United Methodist pastor last week who's watched his denomination in his lifetime go to the point where they would explicitly reject the good news of Jesus and embrace an LGBTQ identity-driven politic. If you look in America... We have churches from our mainline denominations that once clung to the gospel and faithfully preached Christ that are hollowed out shells now. In other words, the slippery slope is a real thing, and you should be very careful to realize that in your pursuit of social acceptance or applicability or relevance, 
it is very easy to lose your grasp on the gospel. That's a real danger. J.D. Greer, he wrote about this. He said, one of the great ironies of Christian history in America is that around the mid-20th century, as our culture started to change its opinions on Orthodox Christian teaching, Christian morality, well, a number of our liberal churches began to change right along with them. These churches said things like, if we don't change our old-fashioned, outdated views on these things, we'll be so offensive to the culture, we'll lose all our influence. And yet what happened is as those churches and denominations did just that, they shrunk the fastest because you can't make a difference unless you are different. I think that's really important for a progressive to hear. I think you need to be aware that biblical rooting matters more than intellectual credibility with the academy or the world. I think sometimes Christians have a desire to be too popular, to be too edgy, to be too aligned with the world. Another concern I have for the progressive is I think there's an obsession with political and social activism as somehow essential to gospel proclamation. And that makes you both over-optimistic about social change and overly overstated about the role of the church. The primary role of the church is not to be an architect of social transformation in a community, but to be a witness in community to the reality of Jesus. The first and primary call we have in the gospel is to love one another in Christ so that in the church we are a countercultural witness. But we don't have a national charge to transform America. That, that, that's not the way that the gospel speaks of our influence. And so I think sometimes progressive Christians are overstated in their desire for political or social influence. The other thing is, I think we need to beware of constantly angrily and kind of sarcastically critiquing brothers and sisters in Christ. I've listened to quite a bit of progressive uh, Christian material, podcasts, etc. And folks, I grew up in fundamentalism and I don't want to go back, but I never want to mock people who love Jesus. And I think there can be an almost condescending, arrogant sort of tone in this critique of fundamentalist, old-fashioned Christianity that doesn't seem to me to smell like the Spirit of Christ. Now, finally, let's give some challenges to my own team. I'm a theologically conservative evangelical, and I would want to say to myself and others, um, we need to have biblical courage if we're going to be biblically faithful. To be biblically faithful right now, you are going to get blasted by fundamentalists as being part of a woke movement, even when you're not, and you're going to get blasted by woke progressives as being fundamentalist and disengaged from the culture, even when you're not. You won't win by trying to be biblically faithful, but that doesn't mean that it's not right. Here's another uh, admonition or concern. I think for conservative evangelicals, we need to make sure we remember our number one charge as pastors is to shepherd local real people in local real places, not to answer every cultural internet buzz. We are in the middle in America of a cultural convulsion. It'll probably last another few years, And it's an earthquake. What people need right now is firm footing on the word of God, not always cultural, constant commentary from their pastor. Hold to the scripture. Focus on the local sheep and care about people. 
But I think also, this is a word to the conservative evangelicals, sometimes we think it's always virtuous to stay in the middle, try to be non-committal. I don't think that's going to work on a lot of issues. Take, for instance, LGBTQ issues in American culture. Friends, the Bible isn't unclear on that. And so if we're going to compromise there to try to avoid ruffling feathers, sometimes holding firm convictions in Scripture You have to kindly ruffle feathers. There's no way around it. And I also think maybe a final note here is just watching it. I think beware that you can preach the gospel from the pulpit and not have a gospel culture in your heart. I just see this in myself. I see this in our church. It's so easy. It's so easy to sing songs that proclaim Christ, but not live a life that smells like him that's kind and gracious, that's forgiving, that's full of mercy and good fruit, that's firm when it needs to be firm. Jesus was that perfect balance. We need gospel preaching and gospel culture in our churches. So let's sum all this up. Why are we talking about this today? Why all these definitions and Bevington quadrilaterals and all of that? Because right now we need to learn how to cultivate discernment. And my guess is if you're listening to the Equip podcast, you listen to other podcasts and you read other materials, And often, you need to understand not just what they say, but the perspective that they write from. The perspective they operate out of will often help you to understand why they're so passionate about the points they make. The fundamentalists, the conservative, and the progressive, each one of them can hold firmly to the teaching of Scripture, and yet they might operate very differently on any issue. And I would urge you, as you cultivate discernment, to realize even part of reading this book, or listening rather to this podcast today, is to help you realize there are often far more than two sides to any issue, more than two perspectives to any issue, right? If all that I read on racial reconciliation was the fault line books from, book from Vody Bauckham, I might think that anyone who mentions racial justice has become subtly overtaken by liberalism. But on the other side, if all I read was Jamar Tisby, I might become convinced that my pastor hadn't mentioned race because he was overtaken by white supremacy, both of which would, if you read only from one perspective, lead you to arrive at conclusions that weren't justified in every instance. Discernment in these times isn't always easy, but sometimes just knowing where people come from can help you to sort things out a little bit. So my hope is this helps you as you go to the Christian bookstore, as you listen to your latest podcast, to have a filter of discernment to help you to embody what James 3 says, that we should be people who are full of the wisdom from above, which is truth-seeking and open to reason. God bless you as you live that way.